you. You literally have ants in your pants. Oh, my God. I want to murder you. Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation, where we find the coolest university technologies so that you don't have to. We want to add to the volume of those innovations and hopefully help them become actual things on a shelf somewhere that can help people improve our lives. Thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Tyler Scher, PhD, science wizard. How's it going, man? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing, Charlie? Pretty good. Thanks. Also joining us is Joe Rungi, our entrepreneurial werewolf, Dr. Law Dog. What's going on, man? Pretty good, word monkey. <laughs> Take that, word monkey. All Mr. Right. Newspaper. Yeah. I could do nicknames and funny All voices. Right. I, <laughs> and I could also say in a funny voice, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a rating. Please write several notes and distribute them all across your class saying Innovation Overground forever because we need listeners in order to be able to tell the stories of academic innovation, hoping to give them the extra push they need to become actual things. Yes, we want to spread the word so that more people hear us. The more people that hear us, the, the better chance we have of actually accomplishing our mission. Um, okay, so all that said, um, I think it's about time that we went over um, – all right, let's just be honest. I want to talk about CRISPR again. Because Ooh. back to the CRISPR one, yeah, back to CRISPR. CRISPR. Why CRISPR is it the name? Well, no, it's it's just it's you always got some knucklehead coming out and like CRISPRing up a baby or something. But I don't want to talk about the baby stuff. I mean, that's easy. That's low hanging fruit, right? Yeah, right. the babies I, and the monkey human chimeras. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, let's put a pin in that. Genetically okay. modified diseases that will be the death of us all. Yeah, yeah, that's easy, right? Like dime a dozen. But I mean, there's got to be good applications for it, and I'm kind of interested in like we've been genetically modifying our food since i don't know since we started picking corn that was bigger than the than the corn next to it right just accidentally right i could monitor. well not accidentally intentionally yeah for nutritional value yep yeah so we if, if you take a look at i'm and, talking about and, back and, in and, tribal days before, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the beginning no, of yeah, civilization yeah, yeah. i think he means they was genetically modifying before they knew what was genetically modified exactly yeah. yes yeah. and so now that we can do it shouldn't we be yeah. putting like butterfly wings on our corn well I don't know if the, how that benefits us. <laughs> well, oh, my God. We should pitch, have him pitch that to us. We can fly. Sell us a butterfly cord. Fly. Go the, on. The corn can fly to the hungry people. Boom. Oh, okay. So wow. let's do it. Wow. <laughs> but we need a name. No. I need to, you to give it a name that I hate. <laughs> the corn's not going to migrate. It's <laughs> Flappy corn. I love it, Flappy. actually. What's not to hate? <laughs> I mean, love. Is it going to be brightly colored? Is <laughs> Yes, dude, my okay. youngest would Why not? love it. It's <laughs> so, so, so all right. Can't so, get enough of that flappy corn. So seriously, though, I mean, what can we do that we're not doing already with with CRISPR and our and agriculture? We're just widened open to, to agriculture. Okay, yeah. So I have an interesting technology. Okay. So CRISPR technology um, is uh, obviously we're, we're well aware of the crazy. Applications, really cool things what you can do. What are the crazy applications? Yeah, I mean, so CRISPR and, and again, the benefit just of to our kind audience, of boil it you know. down. Let's pretend yeah. like for those who listeners. haven't listened to our yeah, other, we haven't done four of these shows. Before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so again, so CRISPR, Which are all great. CRISPR Cas nine is the, the the typical system when we just refer to it as CRISPR. Uh, this involves a the Cas nine is a DNA cutting enzyme, also known as a nuclease, and then the other major component is just a guide RNA, a gRNA that uh, directs the Cas9 nuclease where in the DNA to cut. So what you can do with this is you can actually go and cut out 
portions of a genome for any organism. Okay. Um, and you can actually, if you ha- if you have another component that comes along with it, you can then insert something too. So this is very useful gene editing technology. In the dark ages of nucleus biology, you couldn't choose where you cut DNA, and it was a big problem. And so designing experiments was really complicated. Doing genetic modification was really complicated. To have like a precision cutting enzyme is a tool that revolutionizes um, genetic modification because it allows you to do really specific things. So the way it was described to me, and help me if, let me know if I'm off, the analogy I was told was that, that what CRISPR does is before, let's say you're editing a you know, Moby Dick, you know, big, huge book mm-hmm. with, with some software, the best you can do to eliminate a page was you had to, you, had, you could basically cut out like maybe a chapter. And then what CRISPR allows you to do now is you can cut out like specific words, maybe a sentence. Mm-hmm. Is that, is yeah, that, is that yeah, that's close? probably a pretty good analogy. It's actually sure. a really good analogy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should just have that part in. So to, <clears throat> to, to, to so to continue along with that same really awesome analogy, I'm just going to totally ride that one for a little bit. Okay. Um, CRISPR still not a hundred percent efficient, right? So there's a couple of things. So that you can still have offsite mutations. So you can you can end up you cut out that sentence. You can maybe cut out a sentence somewhere else too. That can still happen. Also, mm-hmm. whatever vector that's the the instrument you use to introduce your CRISPR into the cells or into the organism. The, whatever vector you use can sometimes stay in there um, and then just okay. continue doing CRISPR-y things later on. So, Sounds less than ideal. Yes. So we've got a technology, especially if you want to commercialize this, right? So right. now we have a technology, or I have a te- technology from University of California, San Diego, um, Dr. Zhao's lab, patent pending, available for licensing, and it, it corrects or attempts to correct some of these um, inefficiencies in CRISPR. So this would be for editing genes in plants, so agricultural applications here. Um, and and what they've done is they've created a really efficient and easy way to screen out um, true breeding seeds. So these are so so when you're doing plant genetics, and Joe can maybe talk about this more uh, in depth. But you you'll you, you've made a mutation in a plant. You'll wanna you'll have it uh, you'll have it crossbreed or or, or interbreed with its with the same organism to come up with multiple generations what you what you ultimately want is you want a true breeding generation so you want something that'll reliably maintain that mutation you've gotcha. made okay not be able to change so you've you've, you've bred it so that it um it does whatever it so, turns white when there's a contaminant in the air say <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or or it's corn that that migrates it's, yeah yeah okay. you, you don't you want, don't that want corn those to butterfly wings to just go away in a generation right yeah, you want not, that to uh, you want right. that to last more than okay got yeah, it. we don't want it to be easy come easy go here right got so it. all right yep so what they've done is they've come up with a really useful way to uh, visualize um just with bioluminescence or fluorescence whether or not that seed still uh contains the crispr cas9 vector um, and this, is, this goes along with the kind of quick genetic screening as well to confirm that your mutation has been maintained. So w- importantly, again, you don't want the CRISPR still in there. You want CRISPR out um, because if you see, the, if you see your, your butterfly wings on your corn, you can't tell if it's because that mutation has been maintained generation to generation to generation or if there's still CRISPR just actively doing this all the time, right? Okay. And again, if, again, just to high, just emphasize the problem with it. Maybe sounds like a subtle distinction that doesn't really matter. When you're trying to sell this, it's going to matter to people buying it. Um, two, the problem is uh, if CRISPR's still in there, it could be doing offsite mutations eventually. 
So you could have other mutations. So other, what do you mean by off-site mutations? What could that mean? Just mutations in different spots. So you could be changing other important features. Your corn could end up tasting really bad. It'll it'll still have the butterfly wings maybe, or but then it could taste it. It could taste like bacon. It well, it could. You could end up with that too. Or it could get <laughs> But you don't want to leave it up to chance. Yeah, you know, if you, you don't want to have to control the baconization of I corn. just wanted yeah, to work You want you want that to be a second product line. Sure. You can't, you can't have someone <laughs> accidentally yeah. getting bacon for free when they only paid for the butterfly wings. That's, That's how you deal with Charlie. That's you just point. go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I need you want eat. bacon corn? I'll meet you there. <laughs> meet me in bacon corn. <laughs> I need to be dealt with. I need some bacon corn after this recording now. <laughs> All right. So cool. All right. Well, that's that's. Um, so, what kind of mutations are they going to? So, really, this technology is agnostic to the mutation. It's just a, a really efficient way for um, whatever company is doing this to be able to efficiently confirm, even with an automated process, just automated imaging, just on, a, on an assembly line, basically, confirm which seeds are good seeds. You know, it's, it's, it's the Willy Wonka good seed. Yeah. You, you can confirm which, or, or a good nut, the a good nut with the squirrels and the Willy Wonka chocolate oh, factory. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember So, so yeah. th- this will confirm what, what which are good nuts and which are the bad nuts, and it'll automatically discard the bad nuts and keep okay. the good nuts. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I think along those lines, um, because plant biology, I mean, you know, it's easier to propagate an individual plant than to grow an animal. So the scale of genome editing in plants is much broader. And so the innovation needed in genome editing is really this kind of industrial scale part. So what what Tyler's talking about is how do you ensure that the introduction and uh, moderation of CRISPR introduction to the plant genomes, how do you ensure that that is um, done as intended, right? You're not mm-hmm. over-baconizing the corn. You're not putting five butterfly wings on when you only want to. I'm really sorry, everyone <laughs> who actually does this, um, but we're just going with it. Um, but no, like, so along those lines, there's uh, an invention from the University of Tennessee that has um, a way to essentially uh, quantify the efficiency of that modification. So while Tyler's making sure that the modification uh, using the CRISPR is occurring at the time, the way it was intended, this is a very quick way to measure whether or not the CRISPR modification was effective. Hmm. So CRISPR is still a new protocol, and it's not the same time, the exact same procedure for every single genetic modification. Speaking with our own faculty, it's kind of a trick to do and design the experiments to efficiently get that gene edited out, right? So you need to, it changes based on the target. It based, it changes based upon what kind of organism you're modifying. So uh, the, the Tennessee has come up with this essentially cell suspension transformation system. And what that is, is after you CRISPR up the seed embryos um, to sort of modify it, you don't have to wait to grow them to a full plant to make sure that they actually have the modification. There's essentially this um, really simple uh, cell suspension that sort of in, I'm assuming in a relatively thin layer, allows for investigation of whether or not that gene actually is transgenic, whether the modification Mm. occurred and allows them to sort of measure it. And if it's not effective, you know, you'd simply discard it. I guess I would have thought they would have been able to know what effect their their modifications would have before, but but, but it's not a question to figure out what the modification is. It's whether or not to figure out if the CRISPR actually worked. I see. So, you know, Tyler's is kind of making sure that you're not over CRISPRing. You know, this invention that Mm -hmm. came out of Tennessee is making sure that the actual characteristic that you identified is really present. And so Mm -hmm. what the way they're designing it now is the single cell suspension allows robotic analysis of the seeds 
to mm-hmm. see if the gene was there, there yeah. which is probably some sort of you know, huh. DNA-based investigation. That's to okay. make sure it's not getting under-CRISPR'd. So you combine the two. We got, we got the Goldilocks CRISPR solution wow. here. But <laughs> it shows you, though, like, and again, like, depending on your, your view of genetically modified <laughs> organisms, this is now how quickly gen- genome editing is being integrated into industrial-scale agricultural production. Yeah. Where you now essentially have methodologies that on the front end are ensuring that the CRISPR modification is kind of just what it was meant to do, and on the back end, making sure that the actual plant is modified. Yeah, I also want to emphasize, too, that, you know, original experiments with CRISPR were on uh, non-germline uh, cells, right? Now, we're talking seeds here. We're so talking non- non-germline, refresh so, my memory. So we're going to do – so we, we would make – edits to genes that wouldn't be able to be inherited. Gotcha. Now we're talking about heritable changes. Well, now you're talking about ensuring that you do have germline, right? That's what you're talking about with yours, Tyler? But that's why we have to have all these technologies Mm -hmm. to help make sure that everything's exactly the way it needs, in in the Goldilocks zone, right? because it will be inherited. (laughs) So that way the environmental consequences are the ones we intend and not accidental. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what kind of – what kind of – modifications are we doing to agriculture with CRISPR that we, I mean, that we could, I mean, we've been, we've been modifying crops forever for the history of humanity, basically. Yes. Whether we knew it or not. Yeah. So what are we doing now or what do we need to do now with CRISPR that we couldn't do before? So for the majority of human history, there's been selective breeding. And that means that within a population of plants, there are a set number of traits. And what selective breeding does, it winnows down those traits just to the ones you want. Mm-hmm. And so those plants are, you know, better for food quality, but they're also essentially inbred, which means they have less variability to deal with changes in environments. Right. Case and, in point, we may be out of bananas soon. Right. Right. They're just more susceptible to various. We have one one species basically of banana right now that everyone eats. And there's like tons and tons of stories associated with, you know, famine associated with, you know, monocrop agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we literally grow plants to make them susceptible to, you know, infestations of boars or fungus or whatever, right? So like whatever, that's like a trade-off. You know, the, those are kind of the consequences. The next generation is transgenic or recombinant DNA. Where now, instead of simply isolating— This is the, CRISPR that you're talking about No, now? no, 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 no. This okay. is pre-CRISPR. Yeah, pre-CRISPR. Got it, right. Sure. So this is the, the <clears throat> prototype to kind of current genome editing. I mean, genome editing is a relatively new phrase. Like, when I was in grad school, I'd be like, I do genome editing. So is this recombinant DNA? Is this where people start talking about frankenfoods? This is where you are essentially doing editing by the chapter. So we oh, use see. these really okay. clunky tools. Some of them are really effective, like uh, Roundup <clears throat> is a transgenic or whatever the seeds yep. are that do yep. it. You essentially put a gene in that's resistant to this really toxic compound that kills yeah. everything else, right? Okay. That is an example of, of that type of, of technology. Gotcha. CRISPR is the same sort of thing, except now instead of, you know, kind of doing it with, you know, oven mitts on and tearing out chapters of books or whatever imprecise tool <laughs> analogy you want to use. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, you know, you're you're using your little fingers and you're more you surgical. Know, so you're laser editing. scalpel. Laser scalpel, nice. Double yeah. laser scalpel. Sorry, the the point. I just like funny voices. So applications, we could we could literally save bananas. Could possibly save bananas with CRISPR. Or we could, you know, create an environmental apocalypse by creating genetically modified bananas that grow out of control because there's no ecological check check for any of these new organisms Except which are just appearing from our imagination. Except our human appetite. 
It's true. For bananas. We could get on those bananas. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going down this weird, there's going to be an island like Cloudy with a chance of meatballs and, you know, cheeseburger. And maybe oh, that, walk out of the thing. And, okay. <laughs> maybe. No, it's actually a slightly different apocalypse. This is where we're essentially creating foreign and alien plants that are going to be growing in the fields with, you know, actual plants and without any real consequence of knowing what this guy is. Plus, plants, and as the sort of closest thing to a botanist here, plants are genetically weird because yeah. the way they propagate is they just blow their seeds everywhere. Yeah. And so every single it's one a numbers game. of those seeds that comes out, it's not just a numbers game. There's also a chance for that thing to mutate. It's true. Like so yeah. many plants came about from these spontaneous polyploidy mutations. Yeah. Where you essentially Poly have- Polyweta. Yeah, ploidy is the number Come of again. chromosomes that you have. Polyploidy okay. means you have too many sets of chromosomes. Chromosomes. Okay. And so it's a type of mutation that can lead to new species. There have been spontaneous creation of species of plants because you essentially had two sets of compatible or otherwise chromosomes sort of link up from these mutated seeds, right? And so, do you have an example of this? I want to say wheat is a result of it, but I can't remember huh. for sure. Okay. But the the relevant factor here is not so much a deep dive on plant genetics, although if you're interested. <laughs> I think the better point is just this notion that, in addition to creating genetically modified plants, plants have weird mutations because they sort of have a weird propagation. So system there's still a, a potential for this could go somewhere we had no unintended, we right. had no idea, unintended consequences. All right. That. And so I think that, you know, while there's huge potential benefit to sort of these types of genome-wide modifications, these new tools are really interesting. They do require a certain amount of humility because um, you're essentially now creating new systems with modifications that no one ever anticipated. And yeah. Fragile. Yeah, but, but like the, the as they say in Italy, the potential benefit of drought-resistant crops growing yeah right. food in the desert or on Mars. Could you could you improve nutrition, the nutritional value of certain foods? Sure. Yeah. Going? And then and then you we we did say agriculture. So what other types of crops are we talking about, or other types of plant life would we want to? So we'll include it in the notes, but there are also applications related to improving better trees for fibers. So you would essentially have. Mm. Um, wood or uh, lumber suitable trees that oh, are lumberier. So they've got, you know, pulp that is better for producing paper or bark that is better for producing wood. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think on that note, it's time to come to ground on this one. Um, Joe, did you want to? Yeah, please the... take a minute to uh, look at the uh, program notes. You will have a link to licensing opportunities for the high throughput protoplast isolation transformation of soybean cells from a novel leaf based coal cell culture drive system at Tennessee. God, I love those headlines. Yeah, I even <laughs> said it wrong. Way to out science yourself, Joe. Um, as well as the uh, CRISPR uh, modification system that Tyler spoke about. We'll also include a link to a few other technologies we found. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Unimed, the Technology Transfer Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Also, KVNO Studios, which is the where we do our recording. That's at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Uh, <clears throat> I think, am I forgetting anybody? I think that's all our sponsors, yeah, right? You KVNO. nailed it. Yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> Except that part where I had to ask. So for Tyler Sharon, Joe Runke, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you and join us again on Unimed's Innovation Overground.